welcome to Shut Up and Sit Down, the podcast. It's episode number 38. It we'll is. be talking about the board games and card games, etc. we've been playing recently and some of them we've been reviewing. We're going to talk about them again in case you don't have time to watch all of the videos. Who are you? I'm Matt Lees. That's great. You're Quentin Smith. I, I am. I know these things. I am. And over in the North American office, we have... Hello. We have hello. Hello. <laughs> it's, it's quite early in the morning. I don't know what's happening. Yeah. Hi. But you... do you know who you are? I, I was yesterday. I was pulled in, but today's this a new morning, day. It could be. I it could be could anything. Have woken up a different man. Do you feel the same? Did you wake up a different man this morning? Could you try and wake up a different person every morning? Uh, it, it, Your neighbours must hate you. It's sort of like a sh- crap version of Doctor Who. It's like, who is it this time? Oh no! Oh, I, I just Paul again. Just, uh, I, just imagine you, <laughs> I imagine you going around just shaking strangers already, but never mind. It's like there's the possibility of regeneration, is what you're saying. But yeah, ultimately, it hasn't happened yet. No, but I mean, I might be, become like Tom Baker. I uh, probably will become Tom Baker in like thirty years' time. That's my destiny. Are you becoming more Canadian? I said chips the other day instead of crisps. Ooh, you can't come home. <laughs> and I yeah, did that over. at a games a games night that we will discuss uh, soon. Oh, it, yeah, that's ominous. I actually don't know what you're referring to. <laughs> It's it's fine. It'll it'll come up. It'll okay, come up. sure. <laughs> uh, we can. I mean, the people came to us for games. Let's talk about a game. We can give them games. So I was thinking we can start small and then gradually work our way up to larger and larger boxes. That seems like the most sensible way to do a board game podcast. Yeah, like a pyramid. Yes, no, that's but not how pyramids. No, it's like an it's a it's an upside down. Pyramid. Yeah, that's a bad pyramid. Yeah, like, that, you, something's gone yeah. wrong there. You've you've you've. Uh, you're not going to be able to bury any good pharaohs in that one. So, no. what's, a, what's a small game we're going to start with? Uh, liars. T- <laughs> Sorry, this is amazing. Uh, are we? Okay. All I right. think like the three of us have all been working pretty hard on the site recently, and there's just there's 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 not much left. Uh, Paul, liars dice, take it away. So I was at a games night recently where I said chips instead yeah. of crisps. Yeah, we talked about this, and you can't come back to the UK. Yeah, which is and it's not a joke, it's just true. But as well as playing some poker, which I did very nice. badly at. Uh, Wait, I thought you to, were good at poker. You wrote an entire article on our site about how good you are at poker. In, in, by, by a lot of people's standards, I did okay. By my own, I was a bit rubbish. Okay. Uh, but it was fun, and the general stand of like people around the table was good, and they weren't like horrifically drunk at ten in the morning, which is what happened in the casino with some people. Oh yeah, which is a bit sad. Um, no, we played some poker, and then we played Liar's Dice, which I've played, I think, once before. It's the poker of China, as I understand it, from going Is to... that true? Yeah, well, I, I mean, probably not, but I went to a lot of bars and nightclubs when I was in China, uh, and um, at some nightclubs you walk in, and the rattle of Liar's Dice is noisier than the sound system. Wow. Yeah, it's a real thing. Hang and on a minute, what is Liar's Dice? I might have played this. So glad you asked, Matt. Paul, what is Liar's Dice? Well, what you do is you have a bunch of people around the table who all have a cup and some dice, and mm-hmm. I think it's usually like five dice, uh, and you roll your dice and hide them under your cup, and then you make a guess, at basically a bet, at how many uh, of a certain number of dice are, are face up around the table. So you look at yours and you might have like bunch of different numbers but you might have like four threes which is you know loads that are the same so you you say oh i reckon you know there's like four players around the table so i reckon there's there's probably five threes because if i've got four someone else is bound to have at least one three and you start off the betting like that and what people can do is escalate that they can say no there aren't four threes there are five threes <laughs> they can flip the table <laughs> they, they flip the table start swearing at you um, or they jump up the next to the next number. They say like, "Oh, there are there are four fives, yeah, so, so there are five is, fives. So you have to go higher in your bid or higher in the number on the dice. So obviously, you know, like when people get to sixes, you can't go any higher on the dice. It has to be like betting more sixes. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Although you can throw in special rules, like uh, usually ones are wild card, so ones can stand for anything. And there's a way you can sort of jump down to ones instead of saying like. I think it's four threes. You can suddenly say, oh, there are two ones or something, but then the next person has to jump up. I could be getting this bit wrong because I didn't do it much. I mean, I think um, you think it's a simple game, but like poker, there are loads of tiny little variants yeah. because it's such a popular game that 
and played over so many different areas of the world that people have just made it their own. In yeah, all I've played ways. this a lot. I used to play it in my kitchen with with mugs. I didn't know what it was called. Oh really? Oh, really? Uh, but yeah, it's great fun with uh, just uh, just flipping over mugs. Man, it's so fun. Holy shit! Like it's I couldn't believe how much fun I was having when yeah, I was playing. Considering it, in China. it is just a, a mug full of dice. Also, how cool is it yeah. that Paul's played it in? Vancouver on a poker night I've played it in like Shaman with Chinese people and you've played it in your kitchen at university in England like yeah, isn't well, no, that was, I think we awesome? played it in the kitchen and we played it in the garden in my old house as well like just uh, when we were having Ooh. a barbecue because you just uh, play it on a laps with it was a bit complicated to be honest and the, very well. the rule the final it's a bit complicated why no. no I mean it's complicated when you play it on your dice on your laps because dice don't tend to balance very well on legs I'm sorry Matt I think I thought I think for a moment there I was weak and shot you a look of actual disgust you were like which what's I, wrong with I you take it back um, but yeah like the rule that we're missing is that at any point as the bidding goes up and up and up eventually someone can just go that's bullshit mm-hmm. and, and then somebody when somebody gets called on it or somebody reaches the top bet and no one's willing to go higher mm. they have to then is this because the thing is I'm getting maybe getting confused now because I know that this system is used in the Inkle iPad and PC game soon Sorcery as being like a gambling thing this exact game mm. um, oh, really? is yeah like Lies Dice is in Sorcery of people you can sometimes gamble for money or just gamble for information and it's the same but you play against an AI um, except I don't know if it's the same in, in this of when you get it wrong if you get called out and you're wrong then you lose a dice is that yes, just, yeah. yes. okay so it's exactly the same yeah uh, and yes, yeah, so it's it's a moment of like nice tension. It's got that same nice reveal as uh, Skull and Roses or Skull now or mm. Poker. You know, it's amplified betting, amplified, amplified, amplified. Let's find out. Oh, someone's full of shit. And when you lose a dice, it's awful because it means you then you lose you lose your information. Ability. Yeah, exactly. So uh, clever. Yeah, so it's good. really cool. Really cool. And it, which I guess is the parallel of losing your cards in Skull, right? Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, that's exactly what it is. And, and and again, just like Skull, you don't have to actually be saying something that is in any way factually relevant to what's happening under your cup i mean you can say oh there are five there are five twos and the idea is you're giving the impression that you're holding a bunch of twos yeah but if you're not you just lead other people down a a two hole and <laughs> someone else you know calls you know raises the number too high and yeah. then when you reveal you never had any all along and you just <sighs> you throw them in a ditch yeah. yeah i mean i guess yeah if you've got loads of fours then that's great but you want to save that information for later so yeah you go big on twos but then someone can someone from the very first bet can go no you're wrong and just call yeah. you and that's what's lovely again about playing against the ai in uh, in sorcery is because the computer just can't deal with bluffing it just implicitly believes you it's just lovely you're like you're like three sixes and he goes oh four sixes and you're like i don't have any sixes i think there are some editions of liars dice that you can buy now from any number of board game publishers that want to sell it to you but i would implore people to not do that like this is a game that spilers a nice dice well man you know how many board like if you have a half decent board game collection you're going to have a game with loads of nice dice whenever i need dice i raid quantum the eric zimmerman strategy game um, I don't own many dice games actually, so. Hmm. Oh no, no. Uh, but yeah, get some dice, get some mugs, get some you know cups or bowls or whatever you've got. Assemble it. It's it's a game that should be uh, familial and and sort of uh, pastoral. Yeah, it's very good. It's very good. Uh, pastoral. I I don't know. I was reaching for words there. I'm not sure. No, it's good. Any of those words on a farm. Yeah, though, but yeah, maybe you, you could. Know, isn't you po- could play it anywhere? It requires nothing. Really, I had a lot of trouble from... getting the dice to balance on my legs. I think if you try and uh, balance them on farmyard animals, you're going to just back, get into a real, to real again. pickle. Well, I like to talk about my legs. Anyway, Paul, what are you going to talk about now? <laughs> um, I like that you just threw over to Paul, but with no assistance as to what he was going to talk about. He kept bringing well, up I'm, my legs. Looking, He's a weird guy. He is weird. Looking at the Google Doc that we're all looking at through the future of technology. Oh, don't and spoil it the says, magic. Showing people the strings on our puppets. <laughs> it says archaeology. That's Man, all it says. This game's so good. Uh, we actually have uh, a series <laughs> of good games leading up to some... Yeah, we've we've got good games first, and then they just get worse. So uh, Matt and I last week on the site reviewed a game called Arboretum, um, which is uh, from Z. Which you liked? It's awesome, man. Yeah, it, we it, love it. It's great, uh, but it's part of a Z-Man deluxe card games line. And I only found out about this because I was looking around after archaeology, and I've since got a little bit obsessed in as much as I've ordered all of them. You just bought all of them. I've bought all yeah. of them. It's not yeah. been cheap, but my God, like the cards are nice, the boxes are nice, I like the size and I want them all on Our my shelf together. Was, was really, really good. We got quite into it. Um, 
it's not often we're not very competitive people largely at, um, at Shut Up and Sit Down I think me and Quinn's maybe slightly more than you Paul but still we're both the sorts of people who we just like to have a fun game and doesn't really matter yeah. who wins but me and Quinn's got played it quite a lot and we did get quite competitive to the point where when Quinn's because I kept beating Quinn's and when Quinn's eventually won he was really glad and I was like ah oh, you're you bastard um, but no we got really into it lots of people in the view seemed to get really annoyed thinking we didn't know how to say arboretum yeah oh we did. my god were they not tipped off by the fact that I say arbitory rectum yeah, at one no, point I would have that... thought it was a clue but we do know how to say words honestly yeah. we, just, we were trying to be funny <laughs> obviously it didn't work but um, yeah I it's worth can't do jokes on the internet yeah that's always a terrible idea so um yeah, Arboretum's great. People should go check out the review of that uh, if they haven't seen it. It has an amazing pasta recipe as well. Yeah, it's worth watching the review because it ha- does end with how to cook broccoli and pasta and chilies. But I would say, for those of you who've not had time to watch the video, the general gist of what Arboretum's about and why it's lovely is you build this little garden of trees using grids and you score them based on being able to just jump around the garden um, in a chain. But then the clever thing is you can't actually get any points for what you've built in front of you unless you have... Uh, cards of the same type in your hand at the end so it's kind of like you need the tree cards to both build the garden but also to allow you to score what you've actually built and it has this wonderful thing of basically having to be able to hold seven cards but you end up just quickly getting for a game that's lovely it ends up being quickly quite stressful and cutthroat in the fact that you end up like greedily holding on to cards not just because you need them to build your brilliant point scoring garden but also to hold on to the cards that you know are going to completely ruin your opponent's day and make sure that they can't score their garden yeah just like poker or liar's dice it's about hubris you know you can build as high as you want but if you build too high then you're building with cards that would have helped you score that thing in the first yeah, place yeah and i mean we've said in the review but i spent the entire game uh, making a beautiful chain of uh, i can't remember what type of tree it was but cassia cassias you remember of course i do git because um i had a couple of good cassias right at the start and then quinn's just started getting rid of stuff and the thing is you can't read too much into what people are discarding either because everyone's in the same position as you and they've got to keep a hold of what they want and if something's not useful they have to get rid of it so early yeah. on he starts discarding these and i think yeah sure i'll pick them up so i picked them up and and then i saved them for a little while i didn't really do much with them and then started building this massive cassia garden and had this amazing whopping point behemoth of a chain built up but for the whole game he had the 6 and the 7 out of a, a you know cards only go from 1 to 8 which basically meant it was almost impossible for me to win that for the whole game and he knew that and he just watched me go all out making this beautiful chain of yellow trees knowing quietly knowing that it was impossible for me to get any points for that at all. I was literally wasting my entire game. Um, Because the thing is, I was waiting for the six or the seven to come up in the draw pile. (laughs) Hey, they didn't come up. Why is that? Yes, the thing is, you spend the whole game waiting for things to come up in the draw pile and not knowing whether or not it's just that you haven't reached it yet or that they have it. And there's a wonderful moment where the last cards get drawn and then you suddenly, you know, that's the point at which you know. You go, okay, yeah, that card wasn't in the deck. They've got it. How long have they had it for? I don't know, but you just know. And there's a lovely point where, because you are so focused on specific things, you do know at the end of the game, you know exactly where all the cards are, in a way. All the cards that matter, anyway. You go, they're either in my hand, they're on my table, or they're in their hand, and oh god, oh no. It's just a really, really great game, yeah. That That is cutthroat. It is, it is. It's, uh, it's... Yeah, no, it's brutal, and um, I almost want to steal a feature for when I'm talking about archaeology now from the Tuesday Night Games podcast, which is a nice little board game called podcast run by the people who make two rooms and a boom. Yeah, it's great. Um, I've actually been listening to quite a lot of it. Um, I don't usually like listening to podcasts, which is uh, a bit of a cardinal sin, I guess, if you record podcasts all the time, but I usually find them a bit boring, but the Tuesday Night podcast is really insane. I like it a lot. Yeah, uh, night spelt K-N-I-G-H-T if you want to find it. But uh, they have a feature, which I'm going to shamelessly rip off now, uh, <laughs> where you have 60 oh. seconds to elevate a pitch the yes. game you want to talk about. Um, however, to make things even harder for themselves, they often uh, have people trying to pitch to a particular person. So I'm going to talk about archaeology now, but who am I selling it to, guys? Um, uh, oh, the, the, the problem of it, the, the, you're put on the spot and... Uh, and uh, Come on, Paul, um, you can do this. Al Pacino. Oh my God! He's in the lift and he's trying to learn lines, and he <laughs> he, he's, he wants to hear about character and motivation. Oh my God! Okay. <laughs> what uh, are we at? <laughs> uh, does someone want to start a timer for me? Fucking all right. Hang on. Uh, I can do that. Hold I can on. do it. I can do it. It's fine. I'm, okay, I'm not. Okay. I'm not okay. okay. So you got a minute, have you? Uh, yes. Oh, oh. Okay. Three, 
two, oh God. one, go. Mr. Pacino, I'm so sorry. I know that you're extremely busy, but uh, I can't even see the timer. Sorry, I, I don't know why I'm talking about timers to you, Mr. Pacino. Um, I just can't help but notice that over your shoulder you're studying for the role of an archaeologist, and I thought that what would be really useful for you is to understand the role of an archaeologist for playing this game. It's great. It's called Archaeology. It's got beautiful cards. Lovely little simple game. You and all your friends are archaeologists trying to... Get, uh, get treasures out of a desert and you're trying to collect sets. You're just drawing nice little cards, broken pendants and chalices and wonderful bits of pottery. You're trying to assemble sets and on any turn you can cash in however many sets you want. Closer you are to completing a set, more points you get. But there are sandstorms in the draw deck, Mr. Pacino. Mr. Pacino, every so often, you don't know when they're going to happen, but sandstorms mean everyone has to discard half their cards. So it's a very simple game of risk reward with a few extra twists, like you can collect maps to go and explore secret spaces to one side of the table. And, uh, and yes, it's wonderful because you're, you, the entire game, you're asking yourself, can I afford to collect the other half of this cup? Or is there going to be a sandstorm? Because- <laughs> Goodbye, Mr. Pacino. Thanks for your time. That Ding, was, he that gets was off the, at his floor. That was the uh, end, end of the elevator pitch. Or not to be confused with the, the boring Quinn's buzzer. No, but they oh. do sound, they do sound s- really similar. Yeah. Um, and could occur at any point. So, Do you think he'd buy it? He's probably quite busy. I feel like that was a really hard sell. I don't think you really it was a hard got sell. across anything of the character or motivation of the game. Yeah, I kind of... It's. I guess it's difficult because it's like specifically pitching to an individual. I mean, yeah. I'm not even sure what sort of things Al Pacino's into anyway. No. Shakespeare. Oh, really? Yeah, if and I... coffee. Okay. So the game's great, though. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, it's it's really really neat. You're just assembling sets, and then um, in the, there's a central market as well where you can trade goods in your hand uh, to goods in the market. You can uh, acquire thieves if you draw a thief. You can pluck a card from someone else's hand, as if you're playing Netrunner. Um, and then all about this kind of mad rush of trying to assemble things and get them finished before a sandstorm comes. Yeah, exactly. So, but you know, there are six. Depending on the number of players, there are usually about six sandstorms in quite a large deck. Are the sandstorms random, like in terms of what they take off you? Uh, no, you decide which half of your stuff you lose. But obviously, if you're trying to assemble a few sets, different sets, yeah. then you might have seven or eight cards, and then a sandstorm is like ah. table flipping infuriation. Yeah. Um, but God knows if infuriation is a word. But uh, yeah, completely excellent little game of drawing a card and getting excited because you've got a Pharaoh's mask, Matt. But if you can just get that other one in the market, then you can sell the two for mad money, but you can't afford it yet, so just hang on. And uh, the sandstorms aren't like scattered evenly throughout the deck, like in Pandemic with the Epidemic cards. They're just completely random. So you wow, know that... I was actually going to ask that, yeah. Which is okay. You could easily just seed them throughout the deck at certain points, just like Pandemic. But uh, nah, it wouldn't be as, If it's supposed to be random, then yeah, it could just mean that you just completely get ruined one after another but yeah like rock solid little uh, set collecting very very frustrating but in a good way card game from the same line as uh, Arboretum and I'm going to be but a bit less cutthroat I guess oh we say oh, that, way less cutthroat. We say that Arboretum is, uh, is cutthroat I think it's just particularly because we, we have played it with more than two but I think we played it a lot with two and it's a really solid head to head card game but I think yeah with more people it's probably less evil yeah with, with four especially you're just far more concerned about getting the trees you wanted to your hand and not screwing yeah, over you might try people. and screw over one person yeah. you, you haven't got room to screw over everybody if you see they have a particular so it's more path. just a case of trying not to be the person that everybody's aiming to screw over but with two people it's just horrible it's just like it is literally just trying to build a nice garden whilst threatening to burn down somebody else's <laughs> uh, so how, how many people can play archaeology uh, two to god you can, I think six no wait it's that's quite a few two, three four five two to five maybe Oh, that's that's a few. That's a, a decent tables full of people. Yeah, and so the um, the actual best mechanic in it, which I haven't talked about yet, that's in the new edition because Z-Man published this a few years ago. Yeah, Matt, why don't you bring up a picture of archaeology so you can ogle the nice cover in the? Oh, I can't reach it? the uh, thing yet. I can't reach the keyboard. It's behind a thing. Oh yeah, it's, it's behind, fine. It's behind our sound recording Where, studio. What's, what's happened? Where are you? What's happening? Are you safe? Oh. Yeah, no, we're fine. It's just that um, my kind of office is a tiny, well, quite a small room, so everything gets shuffled around. Currently, the bit that stops the sound from reverberating is. Is covering my keyboard so I can't uh, use it I can only use the stupid mouse stupid sound it's fine it's just it'd be nice to have a studio anyway one day one day <laughs> in a land far far away huge dream sequence uh, yeah so um, uh, archaeology has a wonderful feature whereby uh, there are six different areas you can explore in a given game so like I might say this game we're going to go and look at the sphinx or this game we're going to go and look at the pharaoh um, not the pharaoh like a, a tomb hmm. and then 
they you interact with them all in the same way. You have to acquire map cards, and then you can discard the map cards to go and explore the tomb or the Sphinx. Um, but all of them are like little mini games. So the simplest one is the pyramid, where you cash in some maps, and then you get a whole crap load of treasure that just goes into your hand, <laughs> and then you hope you don't have a sandstorm. But some of them are like blackjack, whereby like the mine shaft is I discard two maps, and I get to go to the mine shaft. And then I go, hit me! And then it's a broken cup. And I go, hit me! And it's a pottery shard. And if the value of all my stuff ever goes over a certain point, then I lose everything. So I can keep drawing or not. That's lovely. And so every time you play archaeology, you can go, today we're going to be exploring the, the, the sand-swept ruins. And every time there's a sandstorm, more treasure will be uncovered. Uh, so yeah, lovely, lovely little little thing. And I'm going to continue to... I'm going to get some coverage of it on the site. And I'm going to continue to review all these little Z-Man Deluxe card games as they arrive at my house because I've been really impressed. Yeah, why not? Oh well, I think it's, it's one of these things. We do we do go through different shifts. I think uh, last year we got quite into miniatures-based things. Like, yeah. And then, you know, this year, start of the year anyway, card games. Who knows where it will go next? Nobody. No, Literally nobody. Not even us. I don't know. <laughs> That was that was a wonderful sort of that was a, that, in there. that was a great addition to the to the conversation we've got. Um, I, the hottest thing I've heard all morning. Uh, it was a great is, addition to the conversation here. we've got, Paul. Very confusing. Poor Paul. Very confusing. Paul, do you still record the podcast under a sheet? Uh, you know what? I'm not doing it under a sheet. I'm doing it in my sort of living room, living area space because uh, if I do it in my bedroom under a sheet, which I have also done. Uh, occasionally you can hear my neighbours using the bathroom <laughs> and they might, they, they're just like, the, they run the shower and you hear noises. So I did, it's first thing in the morning and I can't deal with that right now. That's I fair. can't, it's too much. Just to I don't of, want you to deal with it. You know, for me, it's not the sound, it would be the knowledge that an, a nude man is uh, is barely at two feet away from me. <laughs> throw you off your stroke. Throw you off your podcast stroke, won't it? Yeah, it would. Um, um, the next game on the list is me mm. again. But uh, do, do it quickly. Okay, so very quickly, I was very excited to play this. It's another small box card game. Uh, I got it sent to us. <laughs> You've gone mad. You've I gone mad with small box card game power. There's a button that we press when this happens. Where is it? <laughs> well. <laughs> No, it hasn't stopped me. I'm gonna go. Oh, I'm gonna roll right into elevenses. You uh, defied the boring buzzer before we recorded the podcast. Lock the facility. I wrote this down on the list, and uh, Matt said, "Elevenses? Ah, is that a game about having tea?" And I said, <laughs> "Yes." Yeah, I didn't say it in a snarky way. Though. I was like, I genuinely wanted. Yeah, to Yeah, that be was a game unfair. About having me. having tea and biscuits, and when you said it was, I was like, "Oh man, I love board games." Elevenses. It's not as much of a good game as Archaeology or Arboretum or a lot of the small box card games we recommend but i tell you what the theme had yeah. me and my friends laughing like but it is about oh. trying to prepare a good spread yes is no, Eleven's is just this is like the the darcy game that i played a while ago it's all twee yeah it is um oh, okay so is this like this idea that like do americans know what elevens is, is maybe not it's very english or maybe they think it's something that people don't do anymore or only happens in england well i mean people don't do elevenses anymore right i do I just do it a different time. That's of the different. Day. That's just like you're bored and you go and eat a biscuit. That's not like yep. high tea. That's like sometimes <laughs> I just eat cake. Okay, and that's technically Elevenses. Doesn't matter when it happens. I don't know, man. If you have it with a cup of tea as well. That's Elevenses. This man. game would have us believe that Elevenses is like a societal thing. Yeah. Um, you. Everyone gets a deck of eleven cards. One of which is the Elevenses card. I just realised there's eleven cards because it's Elevenses. Wow. Shit. Wow. How deep does this rabbit hole go? I, can't, I, can't I need to go back and review it again. Um, so there's ten cards, you know, which all have different things. Like number three is milk, number two is tea, number one is a tea trolley. There's cakes and sandwiches and biscuits. And all I don't know that's funny, but it is. They're all worth different points, and you want to have them face up in your tableau. Um, and then, so let's say at one point I've got five points worth of stuff, and you all have three or two points worth of stuff. Uh, if I can play the elevens's card, which is also somewhere in my deck. Uh, then the round stops, and whoever has the most points gets two sugar cubes, which are like white plastic cubes that you put oh on a, my God. that you put on a card that looks like a sugar roll. Um, but the mechanic in it is actually really neat, and it's not something I'd seen done in a start card game before, personally. Because you know when you play card games as a kid, and it's all like face down cards, like Snap or something. Mm-hmm. Where, uh, what Elevens is does is it's got a tableau where theoretically a perfect spread is ten cards all face up in certain positions. But the way the round actually begins is you put eight of them down, 
all face down, and then you draw the remaining three into your hand. So at the start of the round, you'll have three cards in your hand that are random. Maybe you have the Elevens' card to begin with. That's pretty good. And then the rest are all face down, and you have no idea what the face down cards are. And then a lot of the cards have abilities like if you play, uh, I don't know, if you play Sugar, you can look at a face down card or swap face down cards. Uh, if you play Biscuits or the high point value cards, you have to do things like offer your hand to other players who can then take cards out of your hand. So it's this kind of like merry-go-round of either playing a card or swapping cards in your hand to find out what the face-down cards in your tableau are or everybody passing cards to the left or, you know, all this all this stuff. And, nice little mechanic, it's got lots of uh, itty-bitty rules to do with, um, like, reaching into another player's hand and taking one of their cards, which I guess thematically is you just go in through the back door and steal their biscuits. <laughs> Um, I'm, having, I'm having those cucumber sandwiches. But I'm having be- them. Because all your decks have like different card back colours, like if I'm blue, all my cards have blue backs. If Matt then, I don't know, if if he robs me like uh, because I played cakes and that gives him the opportunity to take a card, Matt's hand of cards is then two red cards and my blue one. So if other players then play biscuits, which allow them to steal from Matt, they, they know which is my card. And you get funny things at the end of the round where Matt plays biscuits and I go, hang on, those are my biscuits. How come you have my biscuits again? And then I realise, oh yeah, I passed it to Billy who gave it to Millicent who Matt stole it from. And I'm like, oh yeah, those are my oh biscuits. My I wouldn't want to eat biscuits that have been handled by four or five people man there is if you play the tea card which is not worth many points because I guess tea is kind of unimpressive in a spread but if if I play the tea card I can just turn someone else's card face down which is like I've put a brick through your window and knocked over your cakes (laughs) so is this kind of a little bit like love letter but with King George V or something no it's more like the great Gatsby but with passive aggression it's like it's not a great (laughs) game it's 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 interesting and it's different enough that you'll play it once and um, and have a good time with it and you'll laugh at the theme and there's an expansion in the box actually that is everybody gets dealt a person who's usually like a gurning child who says like, mother said you would have some biscuits for me. Um, or a woman saying, I've heard your China collection is almost as good as mine. Oh, wow. And all, the, all of them require three different cards to be in your tableau and if they are, then they will officially come to your 11s and they get, add extra points. I, I can't deal with this. Man, so the theme is funny enough and interesting enough and different enough that um, actually the people in my game group who played it, more than one of them they like they agreed. Yeah, this isn't a great game, but I'm going to buy it because when I go home, like this is only a game I want to play once a year because that once a year it's still going to be funny every time. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like for that once a year thing where you go home for Christmas or you know you meet up with your old school friends or something, then you're like, oh hey, I'll play Elevenses. This is the one time I'll play, it. and then it does pay for itself and it is worth the investment. Yeah, yeah, it's funny, but I, I, it's I like the color of these things, and it amazes me we haven't seen more things trying to. I mean, we have seen some, but more things trying to jump on that. Uh, or, what, or the sort play of twee themes? Yeah, well, it's what you're talking about, how, like, you know, having the, the irritable, like, small boy who demands cake, or <laughs> who's, who's being an arse about the China not being up yeah. to scratch something. My, my favourite thing in Ladies and Gentlemen was the um, the cards that you played, and it was kind of, I think it was either a rule or a heavy suggestion that when you play these cards, you should um, come up with something to say alongside it. And these cards were things like, if you had... Uh, a nicer handbag. Oh yeah, the yeah. gossip cards. The gossip the cards. That what they were called. Yeah. So the, the gossip cards of being like, oh, that's a, a lovely. Um, uh, but you'd say like, if you had a really nice handbag and someone else didn't have a handbag or had one that was less nice, then you just basically you give them this card and it would be minus points. But you had to say something with it. So you'd just be like, that's an interesting handbag. Yes. <laughs> or like, oh, I, I I like what you've done with your your shoes today. It's very. I suppose it's very modern. <laughs> and I just that was probably the best thing about the game, which is people coming up with saying these wonderfully passive aggressive things. I would love to get some figures on how these kind of themes sell in comparison to I've noticed recently, um, Blood Rage did so well last year and now more than one person have, have announced like Viking related games. Really? Yeah, I mean I don't know if that's cause and effect, but and I also know that Ladies and Gentlemen sold okay in Europe but wasn't getting any traction at all in America until our review. Yeah. Until our review yeah. was syndicated by Penny Arcade. So, yeah, it's... I guess... I mean, someone somewhere in, like, the head offices at F2Z and Asmodee now must have documents where they look at every game and every theme they put on every game and a plotting correlation yeah. on what sells. I think it's not just a maven about theme. I really like... I like the fact that that... Um, 
that is a mechanic. Like you are giving somebody a card because you have met a specific criteria, and in giving them this card, it docks some of their victory points. But I like the fact that, that in the manual say it says it. you have to also yes. say. So you have to come up with a funny something to say that's funny. I think I like the way that that in a way sort of merges traditional. Um, board game mechanics with something that's almost a bit more akin to like fun employed or something of being like give this to a player with a joke. It yeah because it, it just it was a nice way of just being like it was optional but it was it, I don't know it's more about inject thinking about ways you can inject flavor. Even the fact with arboretum the one thing we forgot to mention yeah. in the review is the fact that if you get the <laughs> if you um, draw and it's a complete draw and there's no way yeah you can it says it first off if you draw. Check this rule. And then if you still draw, check this rule. And then Then if you still draw, then both of you plant a tree, and in five years, whoever whoever's tree has grown the most <laughs> is the winner. And I love that because it's it's actually the designer saying, who cares? It's, and making you laugh in the process. Yeah, absolutely. It's partly that. It's partly just injecting a joke into the manual, but it's partly just also being like, you could do that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and maybe someone has. If you do plant you, trees for Arbitorium... Yeah, uh, if anyone's done it, let us know. See, we can pronounce it. Let, let us know in five years. No, let us know every six months. Um, Photo updates. Yeah, I'm bummed. People also pointed out that I didn't mention my bonsai in the Arboretum review. Maybe no, bonsai. you didn't. Somehow didn't. I mentioned it in the Concordia review, but not in Arboretum. I've had quite a lot of people sending me pictures of them having cooked spicy pasta with broccoli oh, over nice. the weekend, which is amazing. Lots of people found it to be a bit of Valentine's treat, which is great. It went oh, down really? very well with a couple of people, I imagine, if you know what I mean. And, uh, yeah, no, I think that's been really good. Do they have sex with your pasta? I think they've had sex with the broccoli, wait, yes. Wait, wait, uh, no, I think he means... Never mind. Paul, it's time for the main event. Uh, mm. You have played Friedman and Friesen. I know you don't want to do this, so I'm going to force you to. No, I don't. (laughs) I'm not ready for this. Uh, You have played Friedman and Friesen's 504, and I don't actually think Matt has heard of 504. Oh no. God, right. Are uh, you sitting down, Matt, or are you standing 504 up? 504 to me just means 504 Games, which is just kind of rubbish video games label. Uh, I'm guessing it's not that? No, 504 is a number that has uh, more relevance than that. Paul, though, um, we'll get, you do, just to make this a running theme throughout the podcast, I'm going to need you to do an elevator pitch. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, just, just the sort of top-down... You know, exciting. What's exciting about 504? You got, you're going to have 60 seconds. Um, okay, who am, I, who am I pitching it to? You are pitching it to um, a, ooh, a, uh, a man who really likes boring things but doesn't like to admit that he's boring. Like, he likes to think of himself as, like, really interesting and cool, but actually he, he just thinks he's to, a raconteur, but, but he isn't. He's not. Alan Partridge. Yes. 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 <laughs> Basically. Okay. Tell me. Tell me when. When the timer is ticking. Your, your timer, Matt. Yep. I.e. the clock on the windows. Thanks to Windows for providing a clock. Okay. We ready for this? Three, two, one, go. Hello, Alan. Uh, I know you're really excited about uh, colours and games and components and cardboard and wood. So how about if we made a game and it was. A lot of cardboard and a lot of wood and cards, and there were definitely a lot of things in the book, in the box, and I know you like box, and it'd be really heavy, and they'd be different colours, and then we, rather than just having one set of rules, because what's the point of that? We would have like Lego brick rules and we would be like, why don't you add different rules together according to what you want to do? Like you could have a rule for fighting or you could have a rule for trading. And then your game could be just a game where you do some trading or you don't do some trading and you do some fighting. But in addition to fighting, you sort of explore as well or don't, depending. (laughs) And you had a rule book and like a pop-up book, you could sort of flip pages and different rules would be lined up isn't that really exciting uh, i think it is uh, alan partridge would probably say sorry the first like, one was the boring buzzer sorry what was this called um this is yeah it's it's so it's nine modules right and you play with three of them <laughs> yes so, this sounds um, um awful yeah, well, okay, so here's. I mean, the I thing. like the idea because I mean, it sounds like GURPS. Do you remember GURPS from back in the day? Yeah. yeah. Paul made it sound more, I think, like Lego bricks than it necessarily is. It's nine different sort of sub games, and you play with three of them. Yeah, but it does sound like GURPS, and the GURPS was an old RPG system. 
I can't remember it's called. It was like there's something universal role playing system. Yeah, mm. and you could sort of you could general drop things maybe. in general depending university. upon what you wanted to do. Yeah, so the idea was it was one system, and you could just basically use it for anything. Like, do you want to do superheroes? Do you want to do like angels? Right. So, do, like... but this is the equivalent of that, and you can use five hundred four for anything, so long as the anything you want to play is one of nine. One of these games. nine things, and that, that's why it sounds awful. Because obviously with GURPS it kind of works in a weird way because it would just give you tons of books and the rest was in your head so you could just invent stuff and it would just generally be a framework for, to allow you to do anything in the way that role-playing games are good for. But mm. with something where you physically have components and bits, it sounds like a bit more of a compromise. Uh, so I, I wasn't ready for this at all is the thing. What happened was uh, we tried it. We could, I'm going to try it with a couple of different friends this evening. Um like a, a few different people because I'm not I w- I didn't know what was in the box I knew it was a kind of an abstract thing but uh, the, you do sort of you have this rule book that has different pages that you flip over and you can line up different pages of rules because there's three sections so you end up with like we had a game where we sort of just delivered supplies across the board but you can uh, change out like the the traveling part of the game to become a fighting part of the game, and I didn't know this until later. But you can go online and you can I think you can see which combinations of different rule sets people like the most mm. for what makes the best game. But apart from like a, a framework underneath it, there's there's potentially a lot of variety. And the thing is, I want to do a review of this, but I'm not ready to actually look at this and if if there is a good game in here from a certain set of some of the rules that's great i don't know if we found it yet wow so god what was a high point what was the the best moment of your 504 evening this is i feel really bad saying this but it was the surprise of no the surprise of opening the box and seeing all the stuff because it is full of I've got it right next to me right now. I've got the two manuals, which is like the manual of kind of rules and the manual of the different sub-rule scenarios that you put together. But there are multiple packs of cards for tracking things. Uh, There's paper notes, uh, which is not my favorite thing. And there's so much wooden stuff in here that it reminded me of Terra Mystica uh, because you've got like wooden buildings and wooden people. And then you've got the hexes for the board and then you got dice, and... A thing I found kind of a bummer looking at it, though, is that because you have all these different components, and because theoretically it's infinite, the the dressing of, like, the board and components, and I think I can reach around and show this to Matt, is so generic, because they've yeah. tried... That I, I don't want all those wooden components, you know? And here's the thing, I mean, this this is a big bag of just, like, they're just squares. They're just sort of wooden squares. So I'm missing this. Um, why is this? Why is this called five hundred four? Because oh, there because are. Of, oh, sorry. Go on. <laughs> you, I just hate to steal your thunderbolt. There are five hundred and four different games you can play because right. there are five hundred and four different combinations of three different things out of nine. And this right. is the thing. I, I think some of those combinations of like different rules are going to be better than others. You've got a sort of a framework where the, the topmost rule is the generic thing that you're doing, whether it's like combat or supplies, and then. Below that, you have like more specific uh, descriptions of how you will do that. So it's arguably more like there's nine different kinds of games, yeah, and I then mean, different ways of playing those games. Like, I find this fascinating because, like, I don't. I think it's really rare that I ever have uh, any strong feelings for something I've not actually experienced myself. But I just everything I've been looking picture this as well. Like, I just think every ounce of my soul and spirit just says no. Because it looks so bland and horrible because it's trying to be everything and nothing all at once. I mean, look at that cover. The cover is like all the... The amazing thing about the cover is it's all these bubbles, each of which has individual worlds in. And, you know, in some of the worlds you can see cities and in some of the worlds you can see wars. But all of the worlds look boring. It's like, which of these worlds do you want to visit, Master? And you go, none of them? The one with more mountains, maybe? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I guess it's an interesting... I mean, it says like the game, the great designers series. I think it maybe if you want to be a game designer, it might be an interesting sort of thing to look at. Yeah, I think Tom Vassell of the Dice Tower said that he, in his experience with it, didn't enjoy himself a great deal, and the reason to buy it is as a curio. But my God, I mean, how much did you did you remember how much it cost for? 
Uh, I got it in Canada at a discount for like $85, which is about 45 quid, which is obviously getting to the expensive side of things, and that was with a discount. It just feels like all the stuff you get in there, you've probably got like some nice prototype pieces to then design something of yourself. But it's odd. I just think the idea is like, yeah, you can play 504 games. Some of them will be great. Some of them will be bad. Well, will some of them be great? I I don't know. Maybe. But then the problem is it's like the idea of being given a box and being like, yeah, you can probably have fun with this. Um, But like you'll have to work out how. I sort of think when you get into that territory, you might as well just give someone a cardboard box. Because it's (laughs) like, you know... I've got to say the other thing is go the the first thing that that we laughed at was going through the uh, the the game options and just even the way they're described. I mean, I'm looking at them now. It's like you you flip a few pages and it lines up a a title of a game. And the one I'm looking at now is the world of productive big landowners with production needs. <laughs> Holy cow! And they're, they're, they're all like that. They're that sounds like, like a spoof game. Wait, is that Shut is that a, a yeah? It... That's I just <laughs> like the world of the mightiest road builders on the way to the unknown, which wow. actually sounds a bit that better. That, that does sound better. Yeah. So so is it taking the name of each of the modules or something? Yeah. Can and you give it, us another it, one? So if I flip to like where the combat rules are. The world of networking, the world of exploring. Uh, the, world the world of, of road building networkers sounds like LinkedIn, the game. It absolutely does. Um, <laughs> I would like you to add to you to my network. The world of combative explorers with a bias to individualism. That's just any wait, board game. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> yes, but what the hell is bias to individualism? Just uh, means being selfish, um, I guess. No, I mean in the game. Like, which of the nine modules is it? Yeah, uh, it's at uh, the bottom. It's map uh, number five. So the tribes try and differentiate differentiate themselves from each other with privileges. You get sixty six privilege tokens, I guess. I don't. Holy I don't know. This cow. just whole five hundred four thing just reminds me of when they announced like um, that the, the the video game Borderlands was going to have like a billion guns. It's like, well, it, it won't, will it? Like, uh, I mean. Like I don't know. It's just something about it. it I, I'm trying to think of an, a, a, a situation in which I'd be interested in this, and I think the only one I can come up with is if, for some reason, I know I'm going to be trapped in a bunker for a very, <laughs> very long time, and I can only have I, one game. Because I at don't least know, then, though. okay. But but if that's the it case, might send then you mad. What you're saying then, Matt, is that if someone can only afford to buy <laughs> you one only game have a year, one, but that's the thing is if you can only have one game. But I don't mean a year. I mean like. I mean, literally, you're trapped in a bunker. It's not just a case of you can only afford one game. It's like you're going to spend maybe years of your life, maybe the rest of your life, trapped in an enclosed space with no new stimulus. (laughs) Like, you might want something really malleable that you can play with and... I don't know. Yeah, sure. Like, so if if you are literally going to go into a Fallout bunker, then maybe give it a look, but... Otherwise, just looking at screenshots of this game is just making me angry. It's weird. Interestingly, 504 reached outside of 504 to uh, worsen my life. Um, So, Paul, uh, you know, you, of course, know Power Grid. It's a game that you and I reviewed back in the day, and we like it very much. Let me load up. Yeah, it's it's probably the Friedman Freeze game that I've liked the most because I've tried a bit of Friday, which was a not bad solo game. Yeah, it's fine. It is fine. But Power Grid, uh, I'm not a huge fan of, but I feel it's aged quite well. Yep, I've loaded up a picture, so Matt can look at it and go ooh um, uh, now we're looking at a game that's been designed <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh, yeah wonderful game of um, you're auctioning power plants and uh, trying to buy coal and fuel which runs up a track and gets more expensive as people buy more of it to power a city and you place mm-hmm. power station. it's great um, so they recently announced an expansion called Power Grid the Stock Companies and as I mentioned in our Mombasa review with a link to the excellent heavy cardboard podcast um mm-hmm that all board gamers are ultimately destined to play with stocks and shares uh, because that seems to be like the nerdiest bottom of the barrel area of the cupboard. Um, So, and I was like, okay, well, that sounds like me. So um, when they announced stocks and shares for Power Grid, I bought it. Not realized, well, I'd also kind of heard that it was the stocks and shares module from 504, not labeled as such, but sold for Power Grid. But I thought stocks, shares, that sounds interesting. Like maybe I I am losing Power Grid, but if I can be the player to buy enough stocks in Matt's company and he's winning, maybe I can ultimately win. That's not how it works. It works in the manner of 18xx games, which is you get a game of Power Grid, right, Paul? Yeah. You uh you but let's say just the three of us are playing. You set up like for Power Grid as if for five players. So you've got five sort of companies, power companies. 
and then we can all buy stocks in them in an initial auction round, and then whoever owns the most stocks of a given company slash player then controls that company and plays a game of Power Grid. So um, okay. So it's a game of Power Grid, but where you don't play the companies, you sort of are you step away from the table, uh, sort of speaking theoretically, and then you can all bid and spend money to take control of different players within that game. Like it's it's the opposite of elegance. It's just another game wrapped up around Power Grid like wrapping paper, and the maths involved in it, like. Like whether you want to, if a company's doing quite well, whether you want to remain the controlling shareholder, you might have to invest even more money into it. But then, if all your friends pull out, then that'll lower the value of the stocks. And it's just so obtuse. And I'm actually quite interested in 18xx railroad games, which have stocks and shares. And I think there'd be a way easier way in than this. It was so I spent a not inconsiderable amount of money on the stocks expansion of Power Grid, and I know I will never play it because my God, you'd have to play Power Grid so much to even begin to understand the maths of it. I was going to say, I mean, it, it it sounds immediately fascinating, but also, is it is it fun? Would it be fun? Uh, I don't think so. Speaking of someone who reads a lot of board game manuals and goes, is this going to be fun? And can often guess yes or no uh, within some degrees of separation. Yeah, no, it, it, it absolutely doesn't look fun. Which is a bummer, because <laughs> I bought it. I'm sorry. Yeah. We've all bought uh, things that aren't fun before. I bought a goldfish once. It was a black uh, one, and it wasn't you? fun. It killed all the other fish and ate them. So you already had other fish? Yeah, it murdered them all. That's like a parable. It murdered them all for years as well. We kept trying to put new ones in, and they kept murdering them. That, until eventually, that's... we just thought, you know what, mate? Screw you. And so we just left him in the thing, and we stopped feeding him, because we just thought, you're a horrible fish, you are. You're a bastard. And uh, even though we stopped feeding him, he still lived for like six months. I don't know how it happened. <laughs> I think that fish was evil. So at least uh, the expansion it might look interesting, but at least it isn't actually the fishy embodiment of evil. You say that, dude. I could go into my attic and then all the other board games have been destroyed. And there's, just, there's just Power Grid, the stock companies by itself, 18 times the size. Oh, God. That could happen. It could. That is the grimmest and most unexpected story. Put your hand in the mailbag from your letter. Got a very nice email from one Joshua Pelton here. Um, and because we're all looking at it, I think we can divide this up kind of like a sort of script. Uh, I will play the voice of myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Matt, do you want to be the voice of Joshua Pelton? I'd love to be. Uh, Paul, do you want to be the narrator? Or aka Josh, Josh's email. Oh, uh, okay, yes. Yes, I will read anything that does not have uh, quotation marks around it. You got it. Let's go, guys. Are we are we sitting comfortably? I think so. I recently had a dream. I hope Josh speaks this way. I'm sure if he doesn't. Well, I'm going to have to carry on with this character now. I have to go back to this drawing board with my. Oh, it's all right. Fine. Fine. If you could imagine that he's, I'm I'm playing Josh, but older and looking back. You're the younger version of him. <laughs> What's my motivation? Uh, well, that'll become clear. Mints. I think. Oh, okay. 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 Okay, mints. Mints, like mints. Mints, yeah, you're hungry. Okay. Uh, okay, cool. I recently had a dream that I was hanging out with Quinns, and he staged a sort of intervention with me about my strategy for some imaginary game about mice. Josh, look, man, you've really got to stop just giving away cheese slices in the early game. What? Why? And have you got any minced meat? <laughs> Why? Really? <laughs> laughs a little incredulously as he rubs his jaw then puts his hands together and looks at me seriously before he starts to speak this is in the present tense i assume this is josh Mm. looking anyway and then i shot awake i'm pretty sure this was a nightmare of quinn's believing my strategy undermined the fundamental character or point of the game we were playing terrifying terrifying don't 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 butt in do you, Sorry. Do you guys? I just like the word terrifying. It's good. Do you guys have pet peeves about certain things technically allowed by the rules of game that render it not to not fun to play anymore? He asks. Oh my god! Yes, immediately I do. Thanks, Josh. What have you got, Paul? Uh, what, what this immediately makes me think of is uh, just playing tabletop role-playing games and having played them since I was young, since like. 
old editions of D&D where there would be rules that were blatantly contradictory because like the D&D I played when I was young was like second edition and there were so many expansions for it written by so many people that if you wanted to be a jerk you could open the complete book of barbarians and then like the complete book of magic shoes and say if i put these shoes on my character he can run at 400 miles per hour and has armor class minus 500 (laughs) because you know those two authors and obviously that that's the great thing about having a normal gm is a normal gm will just say no i'm not allowing it because part of the great thing of having a referee is it's someone who steps in and goes no this rule is silly i am changing this but uh, th- there was a lot of that when I was young. There's a lot of people saying, well, technically I can do this. And it's like, well, technically I could probably do a thousand jerky things every day, but I don't. I had a bizarre experience playing uh, Fantasy Flight's new Warhammer Fantasy roleplay, which was the one that was inspired by World of Warcraft and had like endless cards and tokens oh, and all yes. this stuff. And it had <laughs> cooldowns on your abilities. But I started min-maxing that towards the end of the campaign because if it was going to make me play like a video game, then, my God, I was going to try and play it like a video game. There was one point where I upped my strength and then got a card that was based on strength, got a sword that improved strength, and essentially told the GM after rolling some dice, oh, yeah, I've just hit for 17 damage. And the look of horror on the GM's face followed by cogs turning in his head as to how he could lie and change the encounter (laughs) so that I hadn't just one-shotted the villain... It's uh, yeah. It's RPGs are are the bed of 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 horror in that way. Yeah, or even I just found it the thing of being like people just suddenly having this sense that everyone's bored and they just want something to happen now, and you just go ah uh, go- goblins. <laughs> there are goblins now. Um, but yeah, no, I don't. Uh, it's, it's hard work that sort of thing. It's yeah. It's it's just reading the I room. Think I I've never had any problem with it, but I've always found that um, there always seemed to be beef in Cosmic Encounter regarding. Um, almost motivations because I think it's one of those funny things where like everyone's out to win it but um, there comes a point because it does sort of end up being such a comically um, brutal at times and a cutthroat game that there comes a point where it stops being like oh well yeah you screwed me over this time fair enough that you know to being like no too many times and then people just start they stop caring they realise they're not going to win and they just gun for somebody else and they just yeah. and that's something that I don't have a problem with but it's funny how many times I've seen people who really get mad about the fact that technically you can have joint wins in uh, Cosmic yeah Cosmic's weird because it asks you how much you value a joint win versus a solo win versus stopping that player who dicked you over from yeah winning. absolutely and sometimes I just think yeah you know what like not always but every now and then I find it hilarious so you basically in the letter of Joshua's email your friends are annoyed by the rule that you can have joint wins in Cosmic yes yes or the fact that you can decide that you don't care about winning and you want somebody else which I think that's the thing that you, anyone can do at any point you can have pissed somebody off so much that they're going to stop you winning and then it's not going to benefit <laughs> Which them sounds in great any to me. way and that's fine and I think that's fine as long as you're doing it for reasons that are within the game um, it always I mean you've we've actually had you've written different things about how like sometimes when couples are teaming up and stuff you're like they're having a nice time don't stop that but I, find, I get really annoyed if, if people allow stuff from outside the game it's like we're playing a game oh, yeah, now. Like, don't, yeah. don't be like oh yeah but I bought you lunch the other day so you've got to ally with me for the whole of the game you should be like what what's this yeah, like, yeah. but I love it when people just get really mad but some people get really annoyed if you have a joint win they kind of think it's like not legit whereas I think I don't care like, turns yeah, out games valid. are weird and humans are complicated my uh, thing I was going to say about this is um, Hanabi famous game that Shut Up and Sit Down doesn't like and we are alone against the world it's like 300 it's us <laughs> or three rather it's just us for versus everybody um but in hanabi and also uh, what's german for the matt um d d right and d game uh, or d spiel i guess it would be which is the game which is a new card game that got a lot of scuttlebutt last year that actually played recently which is similar to hanabi in that players are just they have a hand of cards and then they're playing cards except you're trying to basically play cards in order from one to a hundred and you have another pile which is from a hundred back down to zero back down to one uh, and it's good, it's fine, I like it more than Hanabi. But um, similarly, it's got that rule of players can't communicate. But but you kind of can, and you should like develop rules among your friends. Like The only way you can win at Hanabi or the game is that thing whereby if I say, if I say, ooh, don't play a large number, what I'm saying is large number means a number greater than 10, and we establish that between our two games. Oh. Like we, We've worked that out. Like in Hanabi means if I, in our group of friends, if I tell you that this card is red, and then a card on the other side of your hand is black. And actually, one thing we else. found when we were playing Mysterium recently was that you, there's nothing stopping you from giving multiple dreams to one person. 
And so it kind of, and this is why it kind of house rule it a bit, but it kind mm. of became this thing of occasionally if you just have loads of dreams and they were all garbage and you had no use for them for the rest of the game. When I was playing as the ghost, at one point I just gave somebody like five dreams. And... That, yeah, and that it was a domestic thing. thing of, I'm refreshing my hand. Yeah, yeah, it kind of becomes this thing of at that point, very few people are going to look at that and go, oh, what do these five things have in common? It's just very much like, hey, have my junk dreams. I'm getting new ones. <laughs> and in a game where you purposely can't communicate, no, that just speaks volumes. It's always says the same thing. <laughs> Casper so, the practical ghost yeah, at that point. Casper the, the ghost who doesn't know how to use bins properly. <laughs> yeah. I, I just left some of my dreams all over your floor. Yeah. I'm not going to tidy them up. Casper, you bastard. I don't like Casper, he's got a weird voice. Kids, ask your parents who Casper is. Oh God, don't say that. We're old. <laughs> uh, dear me. Wow. <laughs> Folk Game of the Month. Hello, welcome to Folk Game of the Month. Uh, this one we've got one from a man or woman, I don't know, and I'm going to have to apologise for this name I'm about to butcher. Here we go. Says, old Stark Nicholson. Uh, there's a J in there. There's yeah, a, a, I mean, one of those things that's an A and an E that have been combined surgically. There's lots of stuff <laughs> going on. With I think Luke. that's a great name. That's like a, the, the name of a man who stands on the wall in Game of Thrones. Yeah, and just it is. Punches people off it. If yeah. it. Yeah, but it should be like OL apostrophe, like old, like old Stark, Stark Nicholson. I'm like, so sorry, or, or possibly Ole? Like, Ole! Stark Nicholson, <laughs> the, the even grumpier brother of Jack Nicholson. Uh, anyway, um, he says, Hi, shut up, sit down. A little game I've heard of, not quite sure if it is a folk game. When in the cinema, you have to guess two of the commercials. Otherwise, you have to eat your ticket. <laughs> let's, let's pause there before we move on to his next or her next folk this game. This is an amazing... I thought that was it. That's the... just the end. <laughs> <laughs> he sent us a few. She sent us a few. But yeah, my God, how great is that? I mean, <laughs> I, I, I'm perennially disappointed that people always, you know, joke with legacy games that when it's like tear up a card, it should actually say like, eat the card. Eat the card. And uh, yeah, I've not yet eaten any of my pandemic legacy components. Which is a bummer. But yeah, eating a movie ticket. What could be more fun than that? I like that. That is good. That's just really good. Also, just imagine if like you go to the cinema with like eight of you and then the adverts are all new and obscure and you can't guess any of them and then the moment of resignment and all eight of you silently inserting your ticket. I'd say the way to do this is everyone has to guess two, but you should do it like drafting where you each take it in turns to to choose one because then it's like there are going to be some that you always know are going to be there. You're like, that's probably going to be there because they always show. Oh, so you can get lucky. You can get the Cornetto advert that we all know. Precisely, or like, oh, it's going to be one of the the orange adverts about the cinema thing. You go, oh, okay, yeah. yeah, they always do those. Fine. Well, they don't anymore. Orange, they've merged with, and this is boring. Uh, there's no boring by the way. <laughs> do you think he means? So I interpret this as guess two of the commercials means when it starts playing, you have to figure out what it's advertising before the logo comes up. Or do you guys think oh. before? Or do you guys think it's before you go in, you have to be like. I bet there's going to be an advert for... You know, this might be a different thing, because I don't know what it's like in other countries. Maybe other countries still have a healthier advertising market within cinemas. But in uh, the UK, us, you, often, yeah. you often get the same ones for years. Uh, and you always get like a new one. You know there's going to be like... You can just... I think but that you've got to be quite savvy about that. You've got to be like, right, well, there's a Bond film coming up, so there's going to be a, a Bond advert. Oh, yeah, there'll be a watch advert. So. Man, do you remember there was a period of about three years in the UK or two years where they were advertising Red Bull when no one had any idea what Red Bull was. Yeah. With a super yeah. obscure advert. Just advertising it at kids. Yeah. Um, it's the most insidious marketing campaign. It's genius. Uh, okay, Matt, do you want to keep rolling? Yep. Uh, another one. Another game. This is me being Mr. Old Star or Mrs. Old Star Nicholson again. Another one is we used to play at children's birthdays one person was sent to another room while the rest of the party had to hide an amount of people under a blanket. Like it's a vague, an amount of people. <laughs> and have a number of arms and legs to stick out from under the blanket. Then, all the other people had to go elsewhere. The moderator slash the parent then called the child in from the other room. Uh, in, or maybe I'm, I'm kind of having to pass this as I go. Sorry, so it might not make much sense. He, uh, he then had to guess how many people there were under the table. <laughs> God, this doesn't make any sense. I remember the excitement to be under the blanket. What a oh, great sentence that I is. I remember the excitement to be under the blanket. My grandfather used to give me Werther's originals. Now, I can't remember if the guesser also should guess who was under the blanket, but could be an option. Uh, um, so we can, we can pause there. I don't understand what I just said. <laughs> it's not. It's not. It's not. Oh, no, hang on a minute. This is just a version of um, guess whose bum is sticking out from behind the, the curtain from Red Dwarf. But with, uh, <laughs> I've forgotten that. I've forgotten a, all a about classic that. Classic game. 
Yeah. Um, but with this, there is actually a game in the fact that you're trying to guess how many people are hidden underneath a blanket. I th- I think this only gets more fun if you increase the number of guesses. Like, it's like how Codenames is great when there's a team of people discussing your clue and people yeah. thinking, like, oh, he probably thinks kiwi's a vegetable, which I think was a comment on our... Last time we discussed code names on the podcast, people arguing whether their friend thought a kiwi was a vegetable. Yeah, it's amazing yeah. how judgmental that gets. He's not going to get that. Look at him. <laughs> yeah, it's so passive aggressive. So, like, I think for this game, you want two people or three people coming in and going, like, I think there's four people under there. And then you go, four? You're only on mind. There's two at most. This is, there's something about this. Now I've got this into my head. I can't get it out and it's a little bit dark. This is basically just um, the exact equivalent of that thing you get at like church fates or some affairs of being like oh, if you can guess the... how many jelly beans are in this jar yeah you get the jar of but it's more beans. entertaining because i mean like, like how many children says, are in this jar but it's not but in that example the jelly beans aren't having fun whereas in this example well, i hope they're having fun i mean they're they're probably they're not sentient they're jelly beans come on yeah you're right uh so but with this you know you've got live components and like I, I, the line I keep using it down components. is that the best component any board game designer has to work with are human players, right? Yeah. The but how much better would it be if you had human players and human bodies? Like, every component in the game is alive. You have turned into a proper Doctor Who end of season villain here. Using live <laughs> components. That's all I want from my life. The game continues. To be continued. Oh man, I could write Doctor Who episodes. You so, could. It's so Frankly, easy. Anyone could. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I think this is great. Paul, what do you think? I uh, I love the idea of it. I love the idea of being a kid at a party and trying to guess how many people are, are under a blanket or under a table. And the thing of, you know, s- sticking a number of limbs out, a completely random number of limbs out the side. Um, oh, so good, because what if it's just one arm? What if it's one arm lying out and you're like, it could be one person under there, it could be five. With because children, you, especially you... stuff you... it up with, like, pillows and things, or you yeah. try and get the dog to go under there, and you'd be like, oh, there's only two people, but it looked like ten, but it's all... You, you do that thing that you do when you're a kid where you think it'd be funny if we just put all the chairs under there and all the crockery. Yeah. So, and Paul, then mum comes home and she's livid. Well, to bring back Matt's analogy from earlier, if you're in a bunker for like 40 years, do you have this game or do you have 504? I think I've, I've either got this game or I've got all the second edition D&D stuff with all the clashing rules and it's a constant argument about barbarian shoes. Yeah. You know, I think that's my thing with 504. I think if you're going to do something like that, just get a role-playing game. If you genuinely want, like, loads I mean, of options to make whatever you want, yeah. then just, just get a role-playing game. If you, wait, what? So if you want a heavy economic game by a role-playing game... You, you probably yeah, could, you to could be probably honest. Do that, you yeah, could, just all of you bring your own in. pad and a calculator, and you yeah. can just pretend yeah. to be bankers. <laughs> like, why not? So well, at that point, why don't you trading. be a banker? Well, precisely, yeah. yeah. Um, but that's kind of how I feel about a lot if of you, heavy games. Well, I mean, yeah, it's like if you really want you know, a game that is economic and flexible and you can do whatever you want, just go out and make money. Yeah. For real. It's a game that's this, yeah. Oh, I've become my own mum. But then that just doesn't interest <laughs> me. Like, so. That's a Doctor Who plot. The man who became his own mum. See, it's that's so easy. We've got half that's a season what? written here. Oh my God, let's, let's finish, finish this. Let's finish it. Let's finish it. From this lovely Danish person. I wonder if it- that'll happen if I'll wake up my own mum. When? Sorry, what Danish person? Oh, I, I still keep thinking you're waking people up, and I'm just like, let people sleep, you bastard. Uh, anyway, in ninth grade, we were some of the nerdy guys. Okay, no, uh, yeah, it could be. No, anyway, I'm just trying to work out the gender. Oh, just, you're back uh, to reading the emails. From the yeah, email. Who played a game? Well, this took us a while to work out what the hell. It yeah, meant. we've tried to reverse engineer this uh, this folk game before the podcast um, to work out what it meant. Yeah, uh, we played a game where two would sit in front of each other with their hands closed. So we're assuming like fists. And then yep. you wave your fingers up against each other. We're assuming waggling fingers. Like waggling fingers rather than jazz hands. And then you could do faces or different things with the other hand, but your hand should do this all the time. And the first to crack in laughter would lose. So basically you just basically you just wiggle your <laughs> fingers doing in now, front yeah. of somebody's other hand. And then you could do whatever you want. You were laughed. You were I laughed. I laughed. I laughed. You I laughed. laughed straight away. So, okay, so we think we've cracked it. We think that's it. It's just the fact that if you look directly into someone's eyes, hold your 
hands up to each other and then just do waggling fingers and there is something really funny about I it. I guess what also works about this because it took us a while to even work out what this sentence is. Do you want to go meant. again? I think what's good about it is you can initiate it by just doing that because there's no reason you would ever like just start waggling your fingers. <laughs> yes! Nailed <laughs> you got it. You got, he, did, he did the mime hand over the face and the smiling face change. Yeah, classic. Nice. It's very funny. Oh. Um, but I like that you could just this is a game that you can just initiate by just um just wiggling your fingers. Yeah, that's good. Um, did I ever talk on the podcast about um, the folk game that me and my brother invented called Two Hats? I probably have done, haven't I? Two Hats. Two Hats. Should, wait, if it, is this folk game of the month for the next podcast? Uh, well, we'll check if we have done. If, I, if I've already talked about it, then let us know. If I haven't, then next month I'll talk about Two Hats. Oh, man. It's, it's oh. a really good game. <laughs> is it? Yeah, it's man, really good. Folk, who knew folk game of the month spawning its own folk game and spreading word of Two Hats? Uh, well, maybe. I might have already talked about it and we might just not remember. Oh, yeah, so do, do leave a comment, everybody. If you would like to have your email read out on the podcast, uh, the email address is hidden right at the bottom of www.shutupandsitdown.com. Uh, and uh, yeah, we're happy to accept folk games, questions, nice stories. Oh yeah. my god, uh, I'm gonna have to crop it down. But I got a wonderful email from uh, another Danish person who told he wants to tell us all about his uh, massive board game night uh, that involves hundreds of people and started because of shut up and sit down, oh bringing in goodness. people from all walks of life uh, to play stupid games. Yeah, we can find out about that next time, maybe. Yeah, lots to do, lots to do. I wonder if, and you know, Paul can give us an update on 504. You're doing an actual oh video review, word. right? Yeah, I, I, well, I, I bought 504 uh, with the intention of doing an interesting video review about what I thought was an interesting abstract game, and I just... Did not know what was in this box, and it's it's. Can can we have thing. can we have during the review Paul being lots of different modular versions of Paul? Yeah, I was thinking. Oh man, of, like Paul I, from I different won't tell ages. You I was thinking well, of Paul, with, Paul yes. with being aggress- aggressive, Paul aggressive, 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 self interested. Oh, no, no, Paul. stop. Yeah, I don't know. I'll aggressive you, cuddle room Paul is definitely a lawsuit waiting to happen. That is not happening. <laughs> uh, thank you very much for listening, everybody. I've been Quentin Smith. I'm still Paul. Who are you? doesn't matter who I am. Yeah, that is that is true. Bye.